Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. The last model has teetered on her heels, the last glass of champagne has been drunk, the last Eurostar has been run for and missed. In the eternal words of the Smiths, we know it's over, still we cling. In this week's episode, we'll be reliving every glorious moment of Paris Fashion Week, or at least as many glorious moments as we can fit into a half-hour recording. You're listening to Fashion Unzipped. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Charlie Gowans Eglinton. With me in the studio today is Bethan Holt, and Lisa Armstrong joins us on the phone since she only got home about 10 minutes ago from Louis Vuitton's late night show. Lisa, thanks for joining us. Let's begin at the end. So tell us about Vuitton's closing show last night. Oh, well, um, first of all, um, it was controversially, it was, uh, they made it two hours later than normal and told us sort of quite late at late notice. So we all had to stay an extra night. But apparently the lighting had to be just right. It had to be dark, in other words. So they um, erected this kind of long plastic kind of polytunnel that wound its way through the courtyard of the Louvre with fluorescent lighting, which was very unkind to us after 29 days on the trot. <laughs> But it was, it did make for a kind of effective um, showcase for for the clothes. I mean, I don't know whether many people have seen that movie Downsizing, which is all about people opting to become tiny um, to save on their sort of living expenses. I feel like I was warned off that movie. Yeah, well, actually, it's weird, but I quite enjoyed it. I think I watched it on a plane. Anyway, there's a scene when they're sitting on a plane, the tiny people, and they're all sitting in the luggage rack, which have been converted into, uh, you know, quite nice-looking plush seats. They're sitting uh, in those luggage rack space above the, the, the normal size people. Anyway, the point is that's what the Vuitton show looked like because we were seeing it from afar, all these sort of um, models in the distance walking through these glass but not glass, but plastic polytunnels. Anyway, it's an amazing presentation, and we've seen tons of amazing imaginative shows. You know, there was this time when people kept saying, ooh, the days of the big, fabulous McQueen-style show are over, and it's true, no one really has the kind of blood and gore and guts and, and frisson that he does, but there are. we've seen some amazing set shows this time. I mean, the Chanel show was incredible yesterday that was set on a, on a sort of mythical beach um, that was based on his, on, on this place called um, Silt, which doesn't sound promising, but it's apparently an island off northern Germany, which is meant to be really pretty. They're sort of ill de Ray. And, um, and but that's, he threw where, in a th- 
that's where Carl holidays each year. Yeah, apparently it? so. And uh, I mean, they threw in a few kind of Tahitian style beach huts for good measure. But anyway, the models were sort of splashing through real water and real sand. And when you see the pictures, it looks amazing. It does look as though we were all transported to a, a fabulous beach. You kind of wonder, because it's always in the Grand Palais in in Paris. So you would think there's only so much you can do with that space, although it is a cavernous space. But some of these spectacles are amazing. And I really liked the detail of Pamela Anderson was there. And you, you spotted off. that, Charlie. That was fabulous. Because I didn't, I didn't even see her. There were so many models. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> well, such a big crowd. It was such a Baywatch moment that she was frolicking yeah, in well, the sand. Yeah, I saw that on the, on the Telegraph Instagram. It was very good. <laughs> But there were quite a few spectacles actually this season. And Bethan and I have been arguing about this this morning um, because I very much think that the spectacles sell clothes. You know, people want to buy into the fantasy of a brand. And if you're going to spend that much money, you want Pamela Anderson on a beach. You want, you know, the Dior dancers. You want Jane Birkin singing at Gucci. But (laughs) Bethan Bethan thinks no. Well, I don't I don't think no full stop. I don't think we should all just be in like an empty room with nothing going on and then just a kind of endless parade of clothes. But I I kind of wonder about the selling clothes point. I think for me it's kind of can you see the clothes? And I don't know, like I loved the Gucci show, like personally as someone who who went to it, the experience of being there was amazing and especially because I was like within arm's reach of Jane Birkin. That was incredible. But, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful experience for the people who are there. But beyond that, I mean, I think Chanel's very clever because it is a, definitely a very fo- photo-friendly moment and having all those things. Um, I don't know about, about some of those others, though. I mean, at the Dior show, again, it was absolutely gorgeous experience. But I kind of found myself looking at the dancers a bit more than I was looking at the clothes. I hate to admit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that a few years ago you thought well this is great but there are only sort of you know 200 or maybe at most 800 people watching us what's in it for the, the the potential customer or the person buying the perfume at duty free but now with social media i think it is a way of everybody um getting involved i mean when you look at the comments on on social media people do feel really um sort of they feel they feel involved, don't they? And uh, you see people posting um, pictures of of the of the of the shows who who you know weren't even there, but they they feel they were. So I think it's quite great, actually. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but Lisa, I think your Instagram suggested that Jane Birkin singing in person was not all it was cracked up to be. Oh no, no, that, that, that she sings like me. I don't know if this is so kind, Lisa, but I don't. You wrote that, no, and no, I didn't imagine no. that you had a that you were. A no, singer. I don't. I don't. But um, <laughs> but that's not the point. Do you know Jane Birkin has always been a kind of example to me of charm getting you and, and star getting you a very long way. When, when I, I I lived in France for a year before I went to university to sort of you know get my French really, you know crack it up a bit and um and when I first got there I realized that I had this very strong French English accent and I, I went through a phase where I didn't want to open my mouth I because I, I wanted to speak perfect French without an accent and then after being there about three months I started watching Jane Birkin movies in which her English accent is so strong it's ridiculous 
and the French absolutely adore it. So she sort of empowered me to speak French and not worry about my English accent, which I've never managed to lose. And so, you know, the fact that she has made a bit of a career out of singing and she can't sing... (laughs) I think it's brilliant. I love it. I find it very inspiring, very charming. She's she's fabulous, Jane. So I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it snarkily. But I was just trying to warn people if they were going to put the sound up, you know, this is not going to be uh, this is not going to be an Adele moment. Okay. All for the good of the reader. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, what were your highlights in terms of the actual clothes? What did you want to wear? Oh, God, Valentino was beautiful. I mean, the colour mixes were just... If I, you know, I always think when I go to that show, that's the one show that makes me want to be stupidly rich. I, you know, you go to many other shows and you think, actually, it's a good job I don't have unlimited money because I would just buy some really, you know, you just indulge yourself and end up with a load of nonsense. But... Um, that that was very beautiful. I loved, um, I just loved the fact that McQueen exists, that Sarah Burton exists. And, you know, I went on, a, I did a preview there and they were hand painting the boots and shoes. You know, this is ready to wear, don't forget. It's, that's amazing. And there are just such beautiful, filmy dresses I love. And I love the leather pieces there. I love Dior. I mean, who wouldn't want sort of, utilitarian functional um kind of dip dive denim but done through the the um the dior eye and also Givenchy. i thought the way that claire wake keller kind of did those um high-waisted trousers in like a heavy duty what looked like a cotton cotton canvas and tucked very smart sort of jacket shirt jacket into them was a really clever way for uh us, but you know, we can copy. We can. That's a kind of real smart, but but cool way to dress, twenty four seven, really. So yeah, those are my highlights from Paris. I thought Givenchy was beautiful, and it is interesting to see Claire, who you know was known for a much softer aesthetic, and then has come to Givenchy, which is a much harder brand, to see what she's doing there and how that is kind of slowly evolving. I thought some of the tailoring was really wearable and really soft. But Givenchy wasn't a hard brand. You know, that... Well, in its latest iteration. Yes, but that's the way that Ricardo Chisky, that's the way he pushed it. I mean, he originally took some of those Givenchy codes, some, at the tailoring and really kind of hardened it, hardened it hard, chiseled away at it. But, um, But you could take Givenchy in lots of different ways. And, and and so, you know, I, I think I think because Claire isn't one of those designers who just lives in in black jeans um, and a t-shirt. She wears clothes. She lo- she enjoys wearing clothes. She enjoys fashion. So I think uh, she sort of has a as a as a good understanding of of what is fashion, but also what what what's functional. What you're going to wear. And I think you're right, Charlie, as well about she. Do, I think she does take the codes, and she takes them seriously, and and then she applies that kind of that sort of modern womanly, you know, what's going to work. I mean, I even loved how people were commenting on the fact that some of the models were wearing tights, which is just such a kind of you just never see that on a catwalk, and you'd never think about it. But 
you know no, she it, made it look very cool didn't she exactly tiny... anything that is going to keep your legs a bit toasty when you're wearing a dress in the winter is fine by me totally. okay so it got cold the next day and i i actually went to pranchon to try and buy some opaque tights like i don't have enough at home but i hadn't packed any uh, and then i got waylaid by videoing all those people queuing outside um old Celine and, uh, and and forgot to buy tights. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm embracing Claire Wake Keller's endorsement of tights. I do think that's one of the interesting things about Paris for me is there's no other city where you're seeing kind of houses with this legacy, you know, 100 years, 110, 20 years, some of them. And you're looking at something like Balenciaga that's now in the hands of Demna Gasalia mm. of Vetmont and what he would do with with that brand that is so kind of recognisable. I think brands like Balenciaga and Dior and Givenchy have these legacies that we all see, but actually as soon as it's in the hands of a new designer, they can change completely. And that brings yeah. us to the elephant in the room. Celine, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, Lisa, you mentioned that everyone was trying to snap up kind of all the old Celine before it sold out. So this is Celine without an acute accent hovering over the first E, the debut collection from new creative director Eddie Slimane. And this collection was unmistakably Slimane from the micro mini dresses to the super thin, super young models who wore them. This is what we had seen almost identical to what we had seen him do at Saint Laurent. Lisa, why was this such a kick in the teeth? Well, somebody said to me, oh, why were you surprised? Well, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised that he did the same that he's been doing for 20 years. But I did think, moving on to Celine, he'd want to show us all that he wasn't just a one-trick pony. But boy, was this one note. And, and it was the wrong note. That was the thing. He completely judged, misjudged the kind of, you know, he's been out of the game, what, for two years? So not that long, but everything changed, has changed. You know, time's up. Me too. We don't want to... I mean, listen, some, pe- some people do want to dress like that, but it just... It, it looked awful. And also what was awful was, was how thin and ill those models are. I mean... We've had a lot of shows where there is much more um, shape and body diversity. I mean, you know, we talked um, the other the other last time about um, Dolce and Gabbana and how they cast models of every shape and size and every age. Also, how white was that show? I mean, if all the clothes were completely black, nearly all the models were white. It was just so tone deaf. And I... You know, some people, a few people have said, yeah, but there were some really nice pieces, which there were. And I said that. I think most of them, interestingly, were in the men's on the men. But that's not really the point. We know that he can do a nice coat. The point to me is that he chose to make this great big declamation. I mean, that's what shows are. You know, this is what we're about. When Dior or whoever does show, they're saying, this is what we stand for. And he says, Celine stands for ultra-thin, rattled-looking, young, yeah, sort of Peter, Peter Pan fixation that just looked even stupider than it did five or six, seven years ago when it debuted at Saint Laurent. I'm sure it will sell. Of course it will sell. 
I mean, you know, they're going to put everything, LVMH are going to put everything behind that. And there will be nice pieces. And so we just discovered he's going to keep some of um, the old Celine bags. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. Yeah. For a man who likes to wipe out the history of a brand when he arrives, that's a very surprising move. I imagine that's not come from him, that decision. Who knows? I mean, to me, it was a bit, it was a bit of an own goal for LVMH, akin to when Pepsi did that really badly misjudged ad. Do you remember? The one with Kendall Jenner. With Kendall. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, these are the pictures that go everywhere. This is what your brand stands for. Unlike with Pepsi, though, they were, it wasn't even an attempt to seem relevant. Well, well, hang on, Beth. But, but what's really interesting is that we all then got an email, uh, the, the, the press who'd written negatively, which was, you know, a, a huge majority, saying, would you like to come in and see the clothes on the rail? We have much to discuss. And I couldn't do it yesterday. I had too much to write. But um, Jess Cartner-Morley from The Guardian went and said she was dreading it. She thought she was going to get screamed at. I mean, not that she can't stand up to a screaming, but still, you know, it's not what you need after 29 days. And she said instead they were so humble. They were saying, thank you so much for your words. We're really taking them on board. I mean, this is the other thing. On Friday night when I saw it, I thought, yeah, this is really, I'm going to, you know, this is interesting to write, but is this just a whole sort of, this is just part of the fashion bubble. Who really cares? But I mean, people really did care. And it was, there were views, but the traffic to the, to our website was huge. And, you know, my daughter rang me yesterday and said, oh, one of, you know, one of her friends said, oh, Celine is dead. Now, this is a young woman of 25 who probably never bought Celine because the prices are horrendous, but, you know, knew what it stood for and knows what this heady thing stands for. So um, I think I think it's it's really interesting. And also what's also, you know, when you go onto the Celine Instagram, have you been onto the Celine Instagram account lately? I mean, it's just Eddie now. There's none of the... Yeah, but have yeah. you seen the comments? Yes, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I scream grabbed loads of them. Because I mean, it was... the comments are unreal. Yeah. I have never seen so many vitriolic negative comments on an own brand insta because it's normally followed by people who like that brand the other thing i've never seen before on, on and i wrote this in my in my review is that on friday you know he'd invited loads of um his like kind of rock and roll in inverted commas friends and you know jamie hence was there and and uh, and the nerve was there but the usual the usual and they were sort of clapping at the end. The press or the block I was sitting in anyway, practically sat on their hands. Not one person clapped, not one. I mean, no one did anything. They just sat there in kind of mute. What the hell? The two for me, the two crazy things were pushing it on, endorsing that, that eating disorder, not just on 10 models, but on all your models. And, and, and sorry, not to do all those models, because I, you know, probably not all of them have eating disorders, but they sure as hell looked ill in that show. The men as well, I've never seen such skinny boys. And I know that young boys can be very naturally skinny, but these boys looked as though they hadn't been eating. So there was that. But there was also the fact that how can you, 
after seven years, how can you still be trotting out the same thing? Wouldn't your pride in your own creativity want you to, to do something else? It makes you wonder what he's been doing all summer <laughs> or since March, you know. Taking the um, taking the accent off from... Yeah. Well, I mean, the there were all those, you know, comparisons of, like, looks with almost exactly the same components and silhouettes as previously. Lisa, give us some context here. Why... Why do you think Celine, Phoebe Philo's Celine, was so important? Well, be, be, because I, I, I do think she is a remarkable designer and that she could make clothes that... I mean, look, she wasn't making shrouds, but she could make clothes that weren't all about exposing the body. They, they, uh, uh, and she could make them... She had an incredible feel for luxury, amazing fabrics... But also she had real fashion edge. So you could buy a kind of eight-ply cashmere perfect jumper. But it was more than just perfect because there are other perfect cashmere jumpers out there. It, it always had something that made it a bit interesting. And you really did feel that this was a clever design, a designer's designer, but who also had a feel for what women who aren't in fashion need in their in their lives and I think the proof of the pudding is always that that was so copied it was so copied and I know I know Saint Laurent was copied Eddie Saint Laurent was copied in the beginning as well but I I think that 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 Eddie Saint Laurent was a moment was a moment um and I and I think Celine uh crikey if you if you were lucky enough to buy you know to be able to afford to buy uh Celine itself and not just the kind of high street versions, then you've got clothes that you'll probably be able to wear forevermore. The quality was amazing. But also Phoebe herself was so influential. Oh, people love the way Phoebe looked because she's sort of, she's so stylish. It wasn't about being sexy. It was never for the male gaze. It was always about dressing to please yourself, really, wasn't it? And when she came onto the end of her catwalk for her bow, her designer's bow, in oh, we Stan Smith. to do what she wanted to do. If she cut her hair, you wanted short hair. If she wore white Stan Smith, you wanted white Stan Smith. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> she really is, like, she really lives like the Coco Chanel of her day. Mm. Do you know why? There were lots, there was lots of sort of um, beating of breath and people saying, this is so depressing. But I actually feel the, the reverse. I think the outcry about it... Um, and that it sort of really sort of engaged people not in the fashion bubble is that, wow, this really shows that we won't, you know, we don't want, we're not all just going to accept this nonsense from, um, you know, men, male designers telling us how we should look. And, and also it, it just shows how that, that people do see that what you wear and how you present yourself really does matter. It is a, you know, fashion is a feminist issue. It doesn't mean that we feminists can't wear fashion, quite the reverse. It gives us agency if we, if we use it in the right way. And, you know, we have the power. Don't buy it if you don't want it. And also, just to, be make, it, to make it clear, I don't think any of us are saying, ooh, if you wear a, a micro miniskirt, um, you're, you're, you, you can't be a feminist. That, but that's not the point. The point was that the way he presents women is as somehow sort of these so damaged little girls that is 
seems so unempowered. It's just such a narrow view, I think, of what's beautiful, because all these models as well are, they're super young. He doesn't, you know, you won't see your 35-year-old 40-something supers on any of his catwalks. They're super young and super thin and mostly white. And it does just give you this narrow, narrow view of what he thinks is beautiful. I mean, beyond, beyond super thin, I don't think we can stress this enough. They were, they were emaciated, a lot of them. And also, I, I mean, don't understand how that was allowed because LVMH and Caring now have this model charter which allegedly says that every model must have a BMI of 18. Mm. Do you think... I wonder who the person was who, put, who showed Eddie that, that talk. Yeah. <laughs> this is really why it was so important for the press to speak out, because I think if we'd all said, oh, isn't it fabulous, or kind of pulled our punches, that, that would have sent out a bad message to, you know, maybe teenage girls who read reviews and, and, and sort of respect what critics say. You know, I, I felt sitting there that I absolutely had a responsibility to... to to call him out on this, regardless of any consequences. It would have been a dereliction of of duty, you know, towards every every woman, but especially younger women, actually, and young men. That attitude that fashion exists in a moral vacuum, that has no responsibility towards anything, has completely changed. And that's great. Bethan, where did you where did you kind of see a woman you did want to dress like or look like? Where did you see women to aspire to? I always look at Dries Van Noten and just think, yes, immediately, because, you know, there are usually women in their 40s and the clothes are beautiful but have an ease to them. There's this model who I'm obsessed with, um, Tasha Tilburg, who's been in a lot of shows. She's an organic farmer who lives oh, in... Wow. Um, she lives in Canada. She's covered in tattoos in some areas of her body, but she walked at the Christophe Lemaire show. She walked at Isabel Moran. She walked at um, Altazara. She walked, she's done a few. So she's quite the advert for organic living. Yeah, she just looks really cool and great. Um, so I'm into her. Um, I also obviously wanted to be the Chloe girl because that would probably mean that I was sort of on a beach in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> I love Balenciaga as well, I forgot yes. to say. And I think that's such an interesting brand because I think, you know, he, Demna Gavasali has made it so edgy. And, and also there, he, he has a, an obsession with sort of ugliness, doesn't he? Mm. Um, and But they were beautiful. Uh, he's so clever with draping and cutting. They were beautiful, satin, uh, slim, um, sort of floor-length shirts dresses uh, that I thought god you could wear those at any age there was so much in there actually that that would work on on women of any age and and, and body type Bethan said something very controversial to me yesterday in that uh, we were looking at the Chanel show and Bethan said cycling shorts yeah she'd, she'd like that to happen for next summer Aww. I'm personally <laughs> horrified explain yourself please <laughs> well do you know what I just my my eye is adjusting to the <laughs> idea of a cycling short with a blazer and a shirt. I just, I maybe I've seen too much Bethan, of it. I've, what? How are most people's knees? I know. <laughs> exactly, this is what I said. 
legs. I love that. I am with you on the. I love the leggings and those yeah. kind of oversized reefer uh, Chanel jackets. I thought they looked fab. As Monsieur Dior said, actually, it's a rather annoying quote. It's about your knees being the ugliest part of a woman's body, which I never really liked coming from quite a short. Man. It's true though. Mine look but like, it, you know, well, it's certainly true for me. Mine look like potato <laughs> smileys. You know, those little faces that you get with children. Oh, no. Just don't just see yourself that. down, Charlie. No, I mean, I'm just not a big fan of my knees. But I but don't do think... you know what? You know, if you can't do the the above the knee cycling short, that's totally fine. Not not many will be able to. But as Lisa says, the sort of I think it's maybe just because I wear a lot of a lot of um, sportswear in my time when I'm not at work and Mm. I do just I don't know there's something that makes me feel really great about wearing leggings or those Capri length I think skinny skinny trousers are definitely on the way back but you know along with a load of other shapes which is great exactly that's what's glorious about fashion now it's not like oh my god if you don't wear this length skirt then you're not in style you know it's there's choices for everyone and there's something for that's what I really noticed about Paris you know every show was very distinctive and it was very like you could do this or you could do this or you could do this and so that's what's brilliant but Hey, if you've got great legs, definitely try a cycling short. Don't, don't do okay, it. Don't, put them down. Put them down. <laughs> what were your highlights from Paris Fashion Week? And what did you think of the new Celine? Love? Hate? Get in touch with your opinions, questions and feedback at unzippedtelegraph.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. And visit telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion for more new season style advice. We've nearly reached the end of the episode, but before we go, we've just got time to find out what everyone's excited about this week. Lisa? Um, well, OK, this is... I, I just... This morning, just before I got on the train, I managed to sneak off and see the Picasso exhibition at the Musée d'Orsay. If you're going to Paris, absolutely make sure you see it. It's his um, blue and pink period. It is so beautiful. It's, it shows you... It's, it's 1901 and two early days you can see what he did before he got to cubism and how he got to cubism it's ravishing but do book tickets because it it gets mobbed i'm going to the countryside at the weekend and that will be lovely i'm going to immerse myself in lots of freeze things actually oh yeah of course uh so i've got the day off on friday to go around freeze and freeze masters oh lovely one of my oh charlie i think i might join you and pretend it's work (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped.